0: If you're new, just a sentence or two about myself. My name is Helen. I'm married to Kirby for more than 50 years, so we're in the golden years in every way. Um, Our our children's children are grown, and all girls' granddaughters are galloping through college, finishing and, and talking about how the Lord is leading them and where he's leading them in the world or to the next steps. Kirby and I have been members here for nineteen years. We were led um, low-key but dramatically into this congregation and from the first day knew that the Lord's blessing was on the congregation and that we were blessed to be to to have been led by the Lord to be here um, in my extent wider extended family two thousand and twenty three uh, has seen Uh, new spouses married into our family, and with new spouses and new marriages come new babies, and so you can imagine in the extended family, we held our breath, and now here we are, and here's new life, and here's new joy, and uh, that's the way I felt coming into this church, and it's been, as new members are added and visitors come in, it feels like the same thing. It's a particular blessing of the Lord. If you're new to Raising Up Moms, You're so welcome, and I hope you sense the blessing, and um, you will be a blessing to us as well. So welcome. One of the uh, passages that we are given in Chapter 1 is from Colossians 1 through 14. uh, Even though we prayed in the beginning at 9 o'clock for the meal for the Lord to convene us, can we pray again before I get into the lesson And if you'll bow your heads, I'm just going to turn the words of Colossians 1, 9, 14 into a prayer for us that will apply to this session of Raising Up Mothers. Lord, you are the first and highest. You're preeminent in our lives and in all the world. Therefore, we pray this for one another, that we would be filled with a knowledge of your will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding, we would walk worthy of you, Lord, fully pleasing you, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, that we will be strengthened with might for all patience and joy in long-suffering, and we thank you, Father. Your work alone makes us partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, and it's through your work and the sons that we're transferred into his kingdom of love. We thank you for this, in Christ's name, amen. The author, our new author, Christina Fox, Um is introduced to us with some women and men, I think, who endorse her with words and phrases like this, the gentle scalpel of the gospel to divided hearts, she delicately deals with rogue wild hearts, and with gentle precision, she exposes lesser gods and helps readers to tear them down. So these are the phrases that commend this book to us. And reading ahead of you, I believe that they um that they fit the book and fit the author. So um, I look forward to uh, going through this book with you. We all do. This woman, Christina, uncovers her own divided heart in describing personal examples that illustrate that women's hearts need spiritual surgery to remove idols. And don't they multiply with every child that's born to us? Um, Despite our, our praying and working that they wouldn't, they seem to do that. More important, this author sees that the surgery must be a work of the Holy Spirit. Consequently, since our goal is that the Holy Spirit will use his word and our author and her book to reveal where our hearts are divided, and to remake us into single-hearted women, then we must proceed with sincere prayer. I know we did in the first term, and all the more we've got one term of foundation with the spiritual work, and all the more um, this time to proceed prayerfully. And can we just at the outset agree that we will do exactly this together. We will proceed with prayer so that by the end our hearts really will be excised after the Spirit reveals the idols that are still there, many of which many that we don't know about. Don't we feel a quick kinship with people who have similar life experiences? You think about watching a community building back together, how they've been after they've been through a tornado or a flood. If you happen to overhear a cancer survivor offering hard-won encouragement to another who's just been diagnosed, you recognize the value of that. Imagine glimpsing soldiers with their heads together talking after they've shared the same experience of being in frontline battles. They've both been changed by it. <clears throat> We've strengthened by others who have been in other places too. And today in this room, we're daughters and sisters and wives, and our lives have been changed forever by giving birth. We agree with that together. We don't have to have a debate about it. We instantly agree with it. <clears throat> The mom at the beginning of the story, our author says, is not the same one at the end. And she explains and reminds us, bodies and emotions change, appetites and energy levels change, personal time and space changes, and our use of available strength and resources changes. And then she points us to the fact that one change we can never anticipate we were talking at our table about is the fierce depth of and breadth of mother love. It comes on us and surprises us about how fierce it is and and that it becomes a uniquely sacrificial love. I was first born to a young mother, and I remember watching her love grow and grow and grow, never to prefer one child over the other, but just grow deeper and wider and more sacrificial as children were born to her. And this continued in her life all the way till her last days, even when the children that she bore didn't really need that sacrificial love anymore. She gave it. Stella Creasy was a Labor member of Parliament has complained, apparently, over the Christmas um, holidays about the motherhood penalty. And that that was because she had to spend over the holidays so much time alone with her children. This points directly, we'll unravel that as we go along, this points directly to the one thing in mothers' lives that doesn't change And that is the presence of personal sin in those long periods and long hours and long days when we are in the same place and often isolated with our children. Creasy didn't like it a bit. The Lord teaches us to love it. This sin is part of uh, the inherited DNA we know that was passed down from Adam and Eve. David wrote in Psalm 51, Behold, behold. I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Conceived in sin and inheriting Adam's sin nature, Christians have a new identity, though imputed to them or credited to them through the perfect life and sacrificial death of Christ Jesus, our Savior. This this is for Christians, of course, um, those apart from Christ, are their life has to do with the first Adam. Through faith, we trust in Christ alone. Through his atoning work for us on the cross, we've been set free from the power of sin in that it no longer owns us. This is from Fox's page 22. Whether in our first decade as a Christian or our fourth or more, we know that the old sin nature didn't disappear when the Holy Spirit entered as the down payment for eternal life. We wish it did, but it did not and has not. In that time ahead... We will live apart from the power and presence of sin altogether, but not now. The difference, though, on this side of the cross, applied to our lives, is that now we are able not to sin. The author talks about that. There's a there's a theological term for that. We hear that in messages. Uh, before Christ saved us, we don't have any capacity, but We are sold to sin. And after he saves us, then through the Holy Spirit, there's an impartation of the ability not to sin. We're able not to sin. She says on page 22, sin is no longer our master, and we are no longer its slave. Now, on this side of the cross, as the Holy Spirit uses his word to bring us to maturity, that beautiful phrase um, that Paul wrote, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, maturity. We take on the image of Jesus, our second Adam. He is God's first fruits of redeemed humanity, and we are to become God's full harvest. First Corinthians fifteen forty nine. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, Adam, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. 1 John 3 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Did you hear in those two verses? I hope with wonder how God trains us as his second Adam children to be like Christ through giving us children who bear the image of the firstborn Adam. And he bids us train our children um, as children of the covenant, anticipating and praying to the day that they will become second Adam children also. The, the, the we shall bear the image, we shall be like him. It's future, but it's certain. And every day in our homes, we're, we're living and we're working on the basis of the certain future that, that the Lord has provided for us through the work of Christ Jesus. With the birth of our first child, I mean all of our first children, we're enrolled in a graduate school, so to speak, on the nature and impact of sin on creation and in us. And think of that household with with the sin conspiring, our sin, our husband's sin, splashing and sloshing into our children's sin, and they're splashing and sloshing into us. Fox called it just plain messy, <laughs> and that's the truth. It's a 24 hour, 24 7 job that challenges us in weak areas and it reveals the depths of sin that before might have been unnoticed. I was amazed when I came to this place with my firstborn child. I thought, I'm in control of my emotions. I don't display anger. I hardly even know how to get angry. <laughs> um i hardly even know how to behave badly when i'm exhausted the reason i was saying those proud things is because those things have ne- had never been tested in my life and the test proved the the error specific areas of heart sins are brought to light by motherhood fox writes on page 25 she lists some of them impatience irritability worry, sarcasm, self-pity, blame-shifting. I think I got a graduate course in all the self-sins as my children grew up, and I hope I grew into maturity with them some. As long as we begin to notice these sins, it, when we begin to notice them, it is because the Holy Spirit is opening our eyes to them and helping us see our exceeding sinfulness. To this point, we might say, um, or before this point, we might have thought of ourselves, oneself. that's who I am. I'm just a chronic worrier. But with the word working through the spirit a little bit into raising children, we recognize that that's a sin. It's not okay. Just here, We are led to repent and yield to God's Spirit as he changes us into Christ's likeness more and more. Three things about the Holy Spirit's work that's a review of what we're taught in our church from the pulpit. If we study our Bibles, it's clear in the New Testament, in the letters to the churches, the work of the Holy Spirit, three things just in review. God's Holy Spirit has united us to Christ himself. Ephesians one thirteen and 14. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who's the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. That's a position granted us by the work of Christ. We're placed in that position, and we're utterly then inseparable from Christ. We may sin up a storm, but we're utterly inseparable from Christ. Second, God's Holy Spirit makes our union mature. The beginning of maturity of that union is where our our teachers and preachers begin to talk to us about sanctification, to be made holy, to be set apart, and to be what God intended us to be. And a verse that I use several times in the first semester, I'll use again, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. That's first Adam, Helen. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me, second Adam, Helen, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this training in in, in sanctification becomes a progressive um, enterprise that God does for us and moves us to, but we can certainly, we can and should cooperate with him in it And we have plenty of chances to be trained with the raising of our children in the building of our homes. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, and there's not an exclusion for the hard work of home, and there's not an exclusion for the hard work of raising children in the home. Uh, With tiredness and with all the things that seem to converge at one time, there is grace in this work of God in us to make us sanctified, to sanctify us that allows us to read this verse and say to the Lord, thank you, you are helping me to live in the light of this. Third, God's Holy Spirit makes our union holy. Um, It might seem that union with Christ would be holy. He's holy, but we're not yet, and we're growing into holiness. Um, There's a beautiful illustration in the book. If you've read it or yet to read it, um, I'm going to take the time to read it here today. On page 28. Our our author says one of my favorite images comes from the voice, the the voyage of the Dawn Treader by C.S. Lewis. The Dawn Treader is the name of a ship owned by Caspian, king of Narnia. He went on a journey to find the lost lords of Narnia, Edmund, Lucy, and their cousin Eustace, joined Caspian on his journey. At one point in their voyage, while their ship was anchored at an island, Eustace wandered off from everyone else to do his own thing. He found a cave filled with gold and treasures, and in his greed he desired it for himself. As a result, he turned into a dragon covered in scales. He had turned into a dragon while he was asleep. Sleeping on a dragon's hoard with greedy, dragonish thoughts in his heart, he had become a dragon himself. Aslan later found Eustace and removed the dragon skin from him. It was quite painful, but it changed him from a dragon and back into a boy again. The very first tear tear, (laughs) he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. God's Holy Spirit unites us to Christ Himself. God's Holy Spirit makes our union mature. God's Holy Spirit makes our union holy. Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. <clears throat> This is important for us and what the Lord is doing in us, and it's important for us then yielding to it to train, to to use it in the training of our children. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I'm at the close. The Holy Spirit's work to make us like Christ is a lifelong one and it doesn't end until we inherit our glorified bodies and spirits blessed inheritance today so perspective is what we need then and where we find spiritual wisdom for you're at different ages and stages with your children and we mentors are at different ages and stages sometimes with grown children and their children but we all need perspective perspective We may hold a coin so close to our eyes that it hides the sun itself. We may put ourselves in the same way we live in this age when the the spirit of the age is self-actualization. Well, if we buy into that, we may put ourselves in the place that it blots out God in our lives. Our wise God, who parents us into mature saints, has ordained that no hard passage, no piling up of infirmities, no awful losses, no willful, rebellious child or children, no long, hard, exhausting times, nothing will be without a refining purpose. Corn crushed makes bread, grapes trodden make wine, pressed olive yields oil. The corn of wheat abiding alone is not fruitful, but when it dies, it enters into harvest ranks. The last three things, or one of the final three things that our author says in this chapter, Motherhood brings to light the problems that, with sin that remain in our lives. And second, motherhood is, is hard, and I'm adding, intensely personal. We can't do motherhood in the objective or in the, in the ideas. It's personal. It involves all of us, all that we have, all the time. Motherhood, third, is one area of our lives It's only one, but boy, it's a big one. One area of our lives God uses to transform us into his holiness. We are wise and it is right that we allow the spirit to use the word to do this intensely personal work. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the beginning, um, going into this work of the Spirit using your word and using this author that we're considering, I pray that we would do as we have said we would do, that we would go through this prayerfully and we would expect and work toward having the idols revealed to us and removed from our hearts as we meet together week after week. Bless our conversation and our praying together at the tables to these ends. In Christ's name, amen.